Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man. <laughs> I know how, how know. many how many folks are disappointed. You know, they're like, <laughs> we had Paul Feinbaum at the start of the week. They're they're getting their hopes up. Maybe Tim Tebow shows up. Nope, the doppelganger. <laughs> we'll no. we'll big Shane in on Wednesday. You know, <laughs> I'm glad to be talking with you, Shane. I I was joking, but it was sincere, man. You're a, I'd rather talk to you than anybody when it comes to this stuff and. And Paul's just, you know, he's number two, but not by much. And then, and, uh, but you're still on that top of that list, man. You're the, you're the, well, I, I the fan favorite, it. no doubt. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And, and, you know, big get for the pod. It's, it's, you know, it is somebody that we always idolized growing up, you know, especially in SEC football and talking SEC football. Uh, who would have thought, man, you know, it's, uh, several years ago, I'm doing this out there uh, under a gazebo, smoking cigarettes and drinking beer. And now you got Paul freaking Feinbaum sitting next to you. So I yeah. just thought that was awesome. And, and just, uh, I don't know, it's surreal. I, I told so many people today that, that he came on the show and the, the number one answer I got was, well, how much did you have to pay him? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought it'd be it's funny. a cameo, you know. <laughs> I thought it'd be funny, Shay, to start this show off. Um, you know, tell you the kind of little behind the scenes on how that all came together because I've not spoken about it. I've not even told you about it, Shane. So uh, we'll share share it with the audience together. But yeah, I mean, that was a real treat for me. I was so nervous, and you know this because we were in communication all week. But uh, man, we were yeah, the SEC basketball tournament. It, it's a it's a weird deal because. Obviously, if it was football, there are a lot more connections I would have had there. So I didn't quite yeah. know who was going to be at the tournament. A lot of it was watching Feinbaum and said, oh, that guy's there. Let me text him. This guy's there. Let me text him. I was going over social media trying to get uh, see who was driving on their way to Nashville, see if I could get them in the studio. But uh, we had people cancel on us. And I, I'm not going to name yeah. names because, I, hey, that's that's their prerogative. No, No hard feelings. Going back to what you were joking about, I'm not paying these people, so I I can't expect them to show up if if, right. if you know so much going on and and just very grateful for all the guests we did get. We've already put out two, obviously Paul, Ty. We got two more coming, so very very appreciative to those we got. But Shane, knowing me, knowing that uh, hey, I don't have a boss. This is my work, and what. If you had to guess, what time do you think I go to bed at night? What time do you think I get up? Just just a ballpark. Uh, I would say bed probably around 1, midnight maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You got to clean me up a lot. So you're probably <laughs> up later than most. I'd say 1, one o'clock. And then yep. I'd say you, you roll out of bed probably about 10, 11. <laughs> Am I right? Well, well, you were dead on about going to bed. I mean – 12, 1, that's about when I go to bed. But I, I generally do wake up around 8, 8.30 if I can. The night before Paul Feinbaum, Shane, I went to bed at 9.30 at night because <laughs> I wanted to ensure I got sleep and I did oversleep a day of meeting. 
And I woke up at 5 a.m. And the interview was at 10. So I gave myself five full hours to to drive the 30 (laughs) minutes I needed just in case anything happened. But, man, he could not have been any nicer, Shane. He came into the back lot. He was, uh, I wouldn't even say this if this was his car. I thought it was, but, you know, I thought it was the president showing up, Shane. It was a black SUV Escalade, you know, blacked out windows. And I was like, my God, Paul's rolling over here. But uh, it was just an Uber. So that's that's the only reason I gave away the the, the car info. But came in. Yeah. He's the only one, Shane, that I, and I've done probably a dozen interviews there. He's the only one that uh, really wanted a tour of the, not just where we were recording, but the entire building and everything. And, um, you know, a guy like that stayed about 20, 25 minutes after just talking. So really, really great guy. And yeah, I was hoping to God no one could tell how nervous I was while I was sitting there (laughs) asking him all those questions. Well, I I was trying to like not ask you questions leading up to this thing because I I get that way too. I'll never forget first day SEC media days. I didn't sleep at all, you know, because I didn't know how the day would play out. I didn't know who we were going to talk to. In my mind, I had conversations with Nick Saban. In my mind, I had <laughs> conversations with Paul Feinbaum, you know, and it's like if this happens, I need to be prepared. And so my mind is just – it was exhausted. So I totally get it. And that's why I didn't want to, I kind of dodged you that weekend. I just wanted to kind of give you less to think about because I know, hell, we're family. I, you, well, I'm sure we think the same, you know, it's just the mind can't turn off. So I'm surprised you went to bed at nine 30 because my ass would have probably been, a, I probably wouldn't have slept. I probably would have stayed up two, three o'clock in the morning, just thinking about every rabbit hole Paul may take me on. And, and, uh, but I, again, it's this is one of many conversations, Mike. We're we're growing, and and this is awesome. And I don't want to shortchange Ty. If you haven't listened to Ty's conversation Tuesday, it was yep. a hell of a podcast too. We we've had so many great guests on there, and we're going to continue to have more guests. And it was just it was just surreal though seeing. Uh, I mean, one of the bigs coming up there, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, that's just that. It's you did great. You nailed it, Mike. I was nervous for you. I was listening to the pod. I could tell in your voice. I was like. Shit, he's nervous as hell, you know. Where's Shane now? He needs to come in there and say a joke so I can kind of redo my thoughts here. <laughs> yeah, I could have used it. Maybe next time, brother. But, uh, hey, we have actually got some football to discuss, Shane. So we got a fun topic here. We're going to break down. We're going to be able to hit on all 14 SEC teams, which we love to do. We've got some coach comments. But before we get to that, just wanted to, to make note of this, Shane. They have – just the other day, I believe this was Monday, announced uh, the complete spring game lineup for, uh, you know, how fans can watch it, uh, the every mm-hmm. upcoming spring game. And I didn't realize this, Shane. Saturday, we got us a spring game. Can you believe that? So <laughs> Missouri is already – will be concluding spring here this Saturday at noon, uh, the, the Missouri black and gold spring game, of course. And it's one of those digital, you, you got to be able to subscribe to ESPN, SEC Network, digital, what have you, or watch on your computer. So that's coming up. I, I didn't realize, you know, we're already into the spring games here. Did you? No, I, I, I didn't know the games, but uh, I did see some of the schedule come out. Are you going to go over that? I think the only one that made prime time was, of course, G-Day down there in Georgia, right? I think they got on ESPN, too. Everybody right. else is on that digital route. Right. So, uh, like I said, 
March 18th, that'll be Missouri. That'll be the first one. And then we've got Vanderbilt and Auburn kicking off April 8th. And again, same deal with those. You got to be, you know, uh, online viewing or, you know, I think you can get it on a, if you got one of those smart TVs like I've got, that's kind of how I view a lot of that. But so Auburn and Vanderbilt Saturday, April 8th. And then the next week, fully loaded here. Okay, so this this Saturday, we've got Mizzou. Yep. Um, Arkansas, is that no, what you said? Just no, Auburn, just just Mizzou this Saturday. Oh, okay, this this Saturday, and then, and then April a- is the next one. April eighth. I wonder why <laughs> why is Mizzou so early? They got something going on. Well, want to get I, it over with or something? Old, yeah, old, old Eli, he's got a philosophy that uh, you know, God forbid anybody gets hurt in the spring, but if that happens, just a lot more well, time for them to heal up and 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 rehab for the uh, the fall season. So there is some strategy to it, but I heard the. Uh, the high is, is like 40 degrees on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your spring break there, guys. <laughs> so that April 8th, again, Auburn and Vanderbilt. So that, you know, several weeks from now. Right. Then we got a loaded, loaded weekend the following weekend, starting Thursday, April 13th. So a Thursday spring game, Florida. The orange and blue will be uh, 7.30 Eastern time on a Thursday and then that following Saturday, April 15th, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Georgia, Texas, A&M, and South Carolina at night. I hate how they load all these up, man. I mean, give me two months of spring uh-huh. games. You know what? Well, that's what I'm saying. If we got one now, clearly we can push this stuff up. We should have a few next Saturday, a few yeah. Saturday after that, and just – kind of break it up so we can all enjoy it but you know the fact of the matter is there's a lot of football not being played after april so i guess we can always <laughs> go back and check these films out in may june and july <laughs> and then last but not least saturday april 22nd the, the final two lsu and alabama both kicking off their spring games it's pretty pretty funny the two did, did alabama get are, espn2 or anything no, just Georgia. So Georgia, Ooh. as you highlighted, ESPN two. It's usually Alabama, Shane. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Nick Saban hadn't complained about that yet. You know what? Well, don't be surprised if it doesn't flex at the last moment, Mike. <laughs> we got plenty of time. But I am really surprised because that is a game typically you can follow on ESPN two or even ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess we're, I'm sure they'll have a replay pretty, pretty soon after the game, but, uh, that is a surprise to me that Georgia is the only one. Yeah. Well, and then looking ahead, Shane, this was also announced just on Tuesday here. Pretty exciting news because, uh, Hey, we love sec football, but again, when you throw all these games on at the same time, it's hard to, to view them all Florida, Shane, of course they're opening the season at Utah. That game yeah. is officially going to kick off on Thursday. So Thursday night, week one, we're going to have some SEC football to enjoy. Florida at Utah, big matchup here, primetime game, August 31st. The Florida Gators, Shane, have not played on a Thursday since 1992. So, mm. hey, that's that's going to be a hell of a way to – no, they lost it, actually, to, to Mississippi Just State. Just kidding. I didn't know. I was like, <laughs> it's 50-50. <laughs> who was it? I'm just curious now. 1992, who was the Thursday game? Mississippi State. 
Bulldogs. Look at them. Undefeated on Thursday. Well, no, they can't. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I've seen a few egg bowls, so I can't really say that. But, no, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool stat, Mike. I like that. And I think this is big. That's huge for Florida. You know, uh, a lot of people were talking about them after that Utah game last year. Yeah. And I think even more, if 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 things go our way, and, and our way, I mean SEC way, I think they're going to put Gainesville back on the map, you know, because everyone's going to be watching that game that Thursday night. Right, and I think it sets up well for the Gators, Shane, because that exact reason, many people, you know, Utah once again won the Pac-12. We had to hear about that all off season. They're going, they're going to whoop the hell out of Florida down there in the swamp. Well, yeah. <laughs> didn't happen, did it? And we predicted nope. Florida to win that game. They're going to be picked against in this game, no doubt, on the road. You know, obviously with all the losses they had, they got nothing. They're playing with house money. They got nothing to lose. You go on the road. You beat Utah, defending Pac-12 champs, just like you said, Shane. That's that's going to be the story of the day. There, they're going to get an entire yeah. you know Friday coverage of of just hoopla saying, "I can see it now, Shane." They doubted us. Well, <laughs> by God, they better not doubt us anymore. So uh, I can, right. you know, the storylines write themselves. You know what? Well, and I'm just looking at their schedule. What's interesting with this is uh, on the ninth. So you're talking 10, 11 days later, they got McNeese State. So that's going to be another tune-up game. Mm -hmm. One starters really shouldn't be involved in the entire match to prepare for Tennessee the following week. So you're three yeah. weeks into this thing. You guys should be pretty rested up too. So um, I think you're looking at that schedule. You, you got to be pretty excited. Charlotte following that Tennessee game. Uh, Florida has a real shot here, bud, buddy, I'm telling you, to get some buzz at the start of the season. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of some buzz, Shane, this guy's – he's playing with house money here. He can do no wrong. They're in Baton Rouge. We've already – last time we, we discussed, Shane, Nick Saban, he's mad, he's angry. He don't want to play Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. That's unfair. Well, Brian Kelly, he don't mind having to face Alabama – every season let's kick it over to brian kelly's comments here and uh, like i said he's just going to keep on winning fans with comments like this coach can you talk about uh, your three defined future sec opponents and uh, going to a nine-game schedule one of the other coaches in the sec seems to have a problem and your thoughts on what you how you your draw you received yeah i mean you know we, we play all three of those teams so for me it, it just didn't seem to be uh, any different um, you know I expected that it was probably going to be Ole Miss in Alabama and whether it was going to be A&M or Texas or somebody else uh, you know it, it just it's not something that I really thought much about because I wanted to play SEC teams you know when that's why I came here so um, I just think I come from it from a different perspective in that um, I respect all the opponents we play, and um, I think it's important that you know we play certain teams. But if we could play all SEC schools, and that was the smart thing, I know it's not the smart thing to do, uh, but I think nine is, is great because it's going to prepare you uh, and your football team um, you know, for what eventually will be in 2024, you know, a, an expanded you know, playoff field, and I think that's a good thing. All right, Shade, he's already 1-0 <laughs> against Nick Saban as an SEC coach. Yeah. 
Hell, I consider him 2-0 and after this comment. How about you? I love it. I love it. Because this is following, of course, Nick Saban bitching about <laughs> having to play so many powerhouses in the upcoming seasons. And and uh, Freeze just goes out there. And this is what you want, man. I think as an Auburn, as an Auburn fan, you, you, you've had some good coaches come through there, but more like mouthpieces, it feels like. You know, I like to have a ballsy coach that comes out here, yeah. wins on the mic as well, gets your team, gets your fan base fired up. And, and that's what you do. The easiest way to do it down there is take take shots at the king, Nick Saban. So uh, this is a this is gonna be a this is gonna be a hell of a game. But you know, one thing I will say, Nick Saban, he won't come out and admit that he listens to anything media has to say. But he is taking notes. So uh, you better you better put your money where your mouth is when it comes down to the Iron Bowl. Yeah, and, and one other thing, I just wanted to make note of this real quick, Shane, because I thought this was pretty cool. But uh, obviously, Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame before this. Um, one of his former offensive linemen, Mike McGlinchey, I hope I said that right, just signed a big deal with the Denver Broncos. And uh, one of the, the Notre Dame beat writers down there said, the 2015 Notre Dame offensive line has made $379 million in the NFL I'm surprised if uh, if it hadn't happened already, LSU, make you a graphic of that that you can put out there on the recruiting trail. By God, Brian Kelly's O-line, $400 million and, and counting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be pitching that one if – you know what? Oh, you know they will, Mike. They absolutely <laughs> will. That's one thing I love about LSU is their hop reels, man. That hot team, they can get it out there. They'll be fine. They don't they don't need our help. Yeah. <laughs> and also, hey, speaking of the schedule, Shay, we had Hugh Freeze just the other day said, you know, something similar didn't quite go um as viral as old Brian Kelly, but same thing. How do you feel about having to play Alabama, Georgia? And what oh, seems shit. like did you say Brian? Were, did you open up with Brian Kelly, or did you? I'm just talking about Hugh Freeze coming out because I heard him. The, the clip you're about to play, right, is the one he was saying that he welcomes uh, Nick Saban. That's the one I thought you were talking about. So we got Brian Kelly and Hugh Freeze both saying they want Bama, pretty much. Exactly, Shane. Which okay. don't make. Nick Saban, the damn king of college football, yeah. looked too good when all his competitors want some of Bama. Oh, now yeah. that they, now that they see, I mean, they're still a juggernaut, Shane. Let's not kid ourselves. They're, they're, you yeah. know, if the, if they win eleven games, it's a disappointment down there in Tuscaloosa. But it's pretty wild to see all these uh, <laughs> coaches say, "Hey, bring it on, brother," because we're coming right for you. I, I don't know. I don't know if they sense blood in the water. I don't know. Maybe they'll. Yeah. Maybe they'll all regret these comments when they lose by 60 <laughs> points next year. But let's kick it over to Hugh Freeze. He's asked about the schedule. And and don't forget, he's got to play Georgia every year, too, in this new format. Yeah. So, Hugh Freeze, he ain't running. Yeah, I, I don't uh, – have they decided the format yet? You know, so, you know, I, I, I've kind of of the makeup until – if I can't control it, it's probably not worth me worrying about <laughs> And I just I, I have zero control, and I trust uh, John Cohen and Dr. Roberts, and um, you know they're sitting in those meetings, and they're they're going to do the best they can to do what's best for Auburn University, and whatever that ends up being, you know what, 
um, we all knew coming into this league when we took these jobs that uh, you're going to have a hard schedule. Some of us have it harder than others and, and are used to that. And it is what it is. And me complaining about it or worrying about it certainly is not going to help us prepare for it. And so I just, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, if you ask me, you know, after after they've decided on the format, I probably could tell you who I'd like for our crossovers to be, but it's probably not going to be those. And uh, so it's just really not me worrying about worth me me worrying about it. Oh, I don't listen. Uh, you know, I mean, every year is probably probably quite different. But I, I would assume in whatever format they're going to give us that uh, we're we're probably going to have a, a couple tough draws. <laughs> and, uh, it is what it is, and that's exciting for our fans and exciting for our kids. And um, but really, me me sitting around worrying about what will be decided on the format really probably doesn't help us one bit. Absolutely. So I love it, man. Look at them, LSU, Auburn. They're all coming for you. They're all coming for you, Nick Saban. <laughs> Come on now. This is going to be – I'll tell you what, this is one of the things. There's going to be a couple storylines coming into this college football season. Yeah. And and it's – for the longest time, there was a few coaches that sat on, sat on top of Mount Olympus, and it feels like, you know, we're finding out that they're not gods. They're humans, you know, and and, and these coaches are coming after them. So this is what I love, man. This I, I'm telling you – Every year, especially when we expand this thing, we get into nine SEC games, Mike, every year is going to be an absolute bloodbath. Just like Brian Kelly said earlier, you know, it's going to galvanize them. It's going to callous them up. So when they do make it to a college football playoffs, man, they are going to be absolutely ready. Right. Now, on the other side of things, Shane, certainly not calling out Nick Saban here. Eli Drinkwitz also had some interesting thoughts. Uh, just the other day on the SEC schedule. I think he makes some good points. You know, we gotta we got to look at this thing from all sides of, of the table here. So let's kick it over to Eli, who, you know, as he points out, man, I'm an SEC guy, grew up in, in the region. I love these SEC games. I just thought he made an interesting point here. Oof. I thought we just had to talk to Ross Dellinger about this stuff. Um, there's been conversations. I've not seen anything finalized. I've seen proposals that, that was brought to us in the last um, SEC spring meetings last summer um, that was a proposal on both a seven or eight game schedule and a nine game schedule and, and what those uh, would look like. Um, you know, obviously, I think we're in a situation now with knowing that OU and Texas are coming in 24, that that's going to have to be decided on in the next, you know, two to three months. Um, I, I'm. Uh, Call me whatever, old-fashioned or whatever. I believe that the, what makes the SEC great is its uh, establishment, Southern traditions. It's the passion that, that our fans have for the game. Um, it's the passion that our fans have for family and tradition and going out on Saturdays. And and so I, I'm not as, as uh, apt as some of the other ones in our league that think we have to go to every campus in the SEC, and, and that might sell more tickets. But, but I am for keeping – regional rivalries. Um, I am for keeping consistency of, of opponents. Um, I think any time that you have more sporadic opponents, it's tougher to gauge. You may have your the best team you've ever had, but you're going against brand new opponents and there's a lot more variables there. I think when you can consistently recruit against 
uh, permanent opponents, you have a better chance to gauge how your program is uh, growing and developing. And, and, you know, again, I don't speak for, for uh, anybody else, but my personal view is I can't imagine some of these SEC schools not playing each other every year. As somebody who grew up in SEC country, you know, it's hard for me to imagine that, that um, you know, uh, certain rivalries would not be played on a yearly basis. And, you know, they say, well, it's every, you know, they would play every two years. I, I'd like to say, how does that work out for the Olympics? You know, I don't think it's uh, been a model that's proved to be, you know, perfect there. I think, you know, regional rivalries, yearly rivalries that, that stoke the fire of, of competition. Um, and again, I think with the new way of it, the new wave of college athletics. We need fan engagement now more than ever to fund, uh, whether it's the NIL or ticket sales or whatever it's going to be in order for our game to be great. Um, I think we we got to. I'm for an, I'm for permanent, whether that's eight or eight or nine. I'm for I'm for some sort of uh, permanent opponents. All right, Shane. So no surprise. I mean, he's not against nine game, at least not publicly here, but. Uh... He'd love uh-huh. eight-game SEC East schedule. You know what? Yeah, he'd like to keep it the way it is if possible, <laughs> you know. There's a few coaches out there, Stoops. <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> you know, there's a few of them that I I guarantee if you, you, you're in a you're in a back alley talking to them saying, hey, now seriously, would you like to keep the schedule or would you like to change it? They would absolutely love to keep it. But I think in the end it will be better for the fans, maybe not the coaches. You know, it's going to make it a little tougher on, on Eli. You know, there's going to be a lot more pressure when you got nine SEC games. So, uh, but, again, he'll rise to the challenge. He's a big boy. Yeah. All right, Shane, so the main topic here, again, we're going to be able to hit on all 14 SEC teams. Wanted to uh, just talk about the returning production, Shane, for every mm-hmm. single SEC team we've got total production returning we've got offensive we got defensive where they rank in the SEC as well as the returning starter numbers courtesy of our good buddy Stephen Lassen Athlon Sports so these are the official numbers that are going to be in the upcoming Athlon Sports college football preview magazine does that all make sense to you yes sir okay so Shane, I hate – Yeah. Man, we're being optimistic, right? We are not burying A&M anymore. This is the season. If right. it don't happen this year – again, let's not even be negative. It's going to happen this year, Shane, and I'll tell you why. Because Texas A&M, I think we're going to be able to talk ourselves into a great rebound season, Shane. 80% of their total production from last year is returning number mm-hmm. one in the SEC, number seven in the entire country. A&M's returning a ton of production. 82% of the offense, that's the best in the SEC. Again, top 10 in the country. And 77% of the defense. When I throw those numbers at you, brother, <laughs> How could you not like A&M to, to have a big bounce back oh, season? Crown them, baby. Crown them. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's one of the things we talked about at the tail end of last season is, 
It's just how young A&M was and how, and that kind of showed in the locker room and off the field, some incidences that they had. But, you know, this is a team, like you said, that is returning a, a ton of production. And I don't think it's bad production because there's that old saying, you know, you could bring back the entire team, but if it's not good, it's still not going to be a good team. I don't think that's with A&M. They just needed – they needed some more weight on that offensive line. They needed some more snaps and play calling. And, and, and I think that's, this is going to be a different A&M team to hit the field. Now, I am going to be – we're trying to be optimistic here, Mike, but, I, you know, they really hurt me last season. Uh, they, they hurt me a lot, hurt especially my wallet. So, I, I may be a little bit, you know, hesitant, but I do like some of the moves that they made and, and – mainly with offensive coordinator and um you know i still want to be a believer in jimbo fisher you know it's a sixth season and uh but 80 percent of your production coming back I, I i would think that there would be a massive massive step forward for this program wouldn't you yeah and 15 returning starters also the most in the sec so that's why i say this got to be the year and I'm not sitting here saying yeah. you got to win the national championship or anything like that, but we gotta, we got so much talent, we got experience, we have got right. to take huge strides. Everything is in place for Texas A&M to have a big bounce, bounce back season. And boy, Shane, I am ready, ready, ready for the twelfth man. I mean, they're just going to be tweeting and tweeting and burying me after every <laughs> big A&M win this year. You know what? And, hey, I'll deserve it, but uh, I, I yeah. hope for their sake they get that opportunity. You know what? Brother, they're going to be digging up every 2022 <laughs> hot take that you had, you know? So, they are ready. They, they got them saved up, Mike. They know who you are. They ain't. <laughs> yeah. As soon as they unblock you, they're going to they're gonna, <laughs> – they're gonna start sending you some shit again. So, uh, but I, I think they should. I, you know, that that fan base. I mean, you talk about a horrible year. That, that's a year they never want to talk about again. Five and seven. That was absolutely miserable. But I, I think this is setting up to be kind of. I don't want to call it a Cinderella season, but definitely um, a comeback year, if you will. Yeah. Now, how about this one, Shane? We love to hype up. The Missouri Tigers, number two in the SEC, number nine in the entire country, returning production for Eli Drinkwitz program here. 78% yeah. total production returning, 77% on offense, and 80% on defense, which is top 10 in the country with 14 starters returning six on offense, eight on defense. Again, yeah. there's optimism with Missouri. We've got to get this quarterback uh, settled. we got to get the right guy. we got a new offensive coordinator. The pieces are in place for Missouri to take a big jump. we got to have – I believe Eli, old Eli, we, lo we love him to death, but he's not had a winning season. It, it's almost like he's, he's, he's got to have it with, with all these things yeah. coming together, don't you think? Well, we talked about – the schedule earlier in the show, I, I think the schedule lines up perfect for them as well. And uh, this, this has got to be their year. And, you know, let, you know, the problem with a lot of returning is, is everybody wants to talk about the quarterback. So, you know, Brady Cook's going to be a hot topic, but 
you know, when I think of Mizzou, the first thing I think about is defense. And not only were they really good at times and sometimes great at times last year, but they're bringing back 80% of their production, Mike. There's eight starters that are on defense that will be suiting up again for the Mizzou Tigers. So I think that is the key. That defense should be able to keep these guys in just about every football game. We just need the one starter, Brady Cook, to take that big step forward. You know, that huge sophomore season, if he could come out here and and, and totally rock our world, then they've got the production around him, you know, but he's got to have a big – there's got to be some improvement, Mike. Yeah, and also, Shane, this will be the first time that Eli has had – the same defensive coordinator for back-to-back season. I mean, every year it's been a it's been a revolving door. So you would think that strong defense, the continuity is only going to help it. Yes, absolutely. Now, next on the list, Shane, a little bit of a drop-off, but uh, number third in the SEC, that's pretty good. The Auburn Tigers, 28th overall in the country. They returned 71% of their total production, 70 2% on offense, 71% on defense. And then Auburn Tigers, Shane, return 11 starters. Only three on offense, eight on defense. But, uh, you know, you would, you would assume with a Hugh Freeze offense coming in there, returning starters on offense wouldn't be critical anyway because it's going to be a drastically different uh, system. But that, that's another reason for Auburn fans to be optimistic that, uh, you know, it's not going to be a, a total re- rebuild or, right. or, tur- or turn around because the expectations at Auburn is to compete for SEC and national title. They're not quite there yet, but they've attacked the portal. Tons of new players coming in there. Reason for optimism for Auburn, don't you think? Yeah, and I, just real quick, I want to touch on – I mentioned Cook as sophomore. I meant his second year, not his sophomore season. So, I – so I, I, you could go ahead and delete that tweet. I didn't mean it that way. But uh, <laughs> back to Auburn, brother, I, I think this is kind of a unique situation because when you do have a coach change like we did, typically we lose a lot more. They're going to yeah. be at the bottom of this list. So this is kind of unusual, and I think that's awesome. You, you look at what, what Kelly did there in LSU – you know, he wasn't able to retain as much talent. And and I know Auburn's got some building to do, but I, I think I, I think it's the fact they got the defense set, man. If they can get like I said, like Mizzou earlier, if they can just keep them in some ball games, I think Hugh Freeze has got enough creativity on that side of the ball to make any game exciting. So um no, this is this is kind of impressive. I did not realize they had that much production coming back. Right. Now, uh, next on the list, Shane, Ole Miss, fourth in the SEC, 30th in the country with a 71% total production returning, 80% on offense, 62% on defense, and they've got 13 starters returning. Now, the wild card, if you want to call it that, with with a Lane Kiffin program, of course, the transfer portal. So, yeah. you maybe have a returning starter here. You may have returning production here, but he's trying to upgrade. Whether whether you get better, <laughs> like your Jackson Dart, we, we hope you make the strides. But if not, hey, we brought in two quarterbacks that can beat you out if you do not take your game to that next level. So, it's pretty it's good to be in the top four in the SEC in returning production, but it's almost hard to gauge at for Ole Miss because we don't know who's going to be in there. But if nothing else, they're going to have some experienced backups. 
<laughs> well, and I feel like they're going to play more seasoned as well. You know, you talk about Jackson Dart, uh, a lot of quarterback controversy coming into the season last year. You know, doesn't necessarily have the, the starting I, – I don't know if he'll finish the season as a starting quarterback there in Ole Miss. But I think coming out of the gate with that much production behind you – I think Ole Miss is going to be dialed in a lot quicker than they were last season. And that's one problem you have when you have these transfers coming in, which Ole Miss will continue to do. It's just how quick can they get acclimated into that system. So, yes, even though we've got all this production returning, don't be surprised if some of those guys that Kiffin brought in doesn't surpass some of the ones that that were listed as starters last season. Yep. Now, LSU, Shane, number five on this list, 71% returning production overall, 81% on offense, second most in the SEC right there, 60% on defense with they have 13 returning starters there in Baton Rouge. And, And I think this is a good reason why so many people are high on LSU, top five returning production in the SEC, just won the Mm -hmm. West. You know, there'll be questions to be answered on, particularly on defense. But this offense, Shane, you got to think, you know, could be the, one of the strongest in the SEC. And it's pretty rare to have a, a division champion here in the top five, uh, particularly at a school like LSU, because, you know, Alabama, Georgia, so many guys go to the NFL. But uh, LSU's got a ton of returning talent. Oh, yeah. And, dude, they've got some – damn Sunday Sunday night players too here. You had Jane Daniels and Perkins being just a few of them. That's what I like about LSU is they've got some big hitters and some key you, – you look on your graphic here. If you guys aren't – I know a lot of you are listening on your way to work or, you know, you're driving down the road. But if you get a chance, jump on the YouTube channel. Mike has got these, these damn graphics he sent over that are just awesome. Uh, looking at it here, and, and we've got key returners. It shows the production. Uh, the transfer class, signing class, all that stuff. So be sure to check it out on our YouTube channel, uh, that SEC podcast. But yeah, Mike, this is a team that you know won the West last year, and you're bringing a lot of talent back. So there should be reason for optimism down there in Baton Rouge. And um, I think the key, everybody's going to be talking about it. the Heisman hop has already started, but Jaden Daniels leading the pack there. Yeah. Now, Vanderbilt next on the list, Shane, number six in the SEC. Already heard Clark Lee say the joke, Shane. He's growing his hair back out because, hey, he's not (laughs) dealing with all these young kids anymore. He's finally got some experience to work with there on the West End. 65% of the total production returning for Vanderbilt, 73% on offense, which was the stronger side of the ball for the Commodores next season, but only 56% percent on defense it's one of the lowest in the sec 13 total starters back for the commodores they mm-hmm. every year under clark lee shane they played better football by the end of the season obviously capping that off last year by, by winning over kentucky and florida you know if they can keep that momentum going there's reason yeah. to believe that vanderbilt is only going to get better Absolutely, and it and I think a healthy AJ Swan coming in, uh, that's going to be a key as well. This, I, a lot of people aren't talking about Vanderbilt, you know, and, and I, Coach Lee, you lead in with a stat with his hairline, you know. It's like, well, 
Which is kind of weird to me, Mike. You know, why would you even shave? I, I get it. I I get it. But, like, if you're thin, you know, that's kind of why I did it. I, I was thinning up top, you know, all this women, all these women in my life. Uh, I, eventually it was going to get me. It runs in her family. But, uh, you know, I would love to grow my hair out. I, I was, In fact, I was upset. I was talking to somebody the other day. When I was uh, growing up, there was a lot of times that I kept my hair real short, like flat top. That's what my grandfather wanted, my, our other grandfather. <laughs> and, uh, and and that's what I'm like, man, I had the ability to grow hair back then. I saw Paul <laughs> Feinbaum's young picture, you know. I, I seen Ty on there the other day, you know, with that, that big golden locks, you know. And, and here's Coach Lee. He had the ability – to grow his hair out, but he chose to go bald. I, you, it's not often you see somebody go from bald to hair again. So I'm kind of curious what uh, what this is going to look like. Uh, I don't think it's going to help their season at all. What's going to help their season is some of that key returning. So kind of to segue back to what we're actually talking about, Mike, uh, I, I'd love what the pieces that they are bringing back, but there was some significant players to move on, and, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering how that affects Clark Lee's uh, third season here. Yeah. Well, next on the list for you, buddy, number seven in the SEC, Tennessee, sixty-three percent of the total production returning for the Vols, fifty-seven percent on offense, sixty-nine percent, nice on defense, and thirteen returning starters, seven on offense, six on defense but uh you know even with you know only 57 percent returning on offense which is not great it's uh 96th in the entire country but with josh heupel and his offensive system you got to have confidence that that side of the ball will figure itself out pretty quick but this is why i continue to uh, suspect that uh, the defense is just going to keep getting better because we're getting deeper and deeper more experience yeah more talent I think Tennessee, this is going to be the best defense yet under Josh Heupel. Which, I mean, who's talking about defense? When you mention Tennessee, after you have a 30-minute conversation, they start mentioning how produ- how much production is coming back on that side of the ball. So, uh, it's all about the offense there in Knoxville. But, you know, it's the defense that really kind of, you know, got us a few times last year. I'm thinking Columbia in particular, you know, that was a, it was an absolute nightmare. So production is important, but that depth is important, is more important in my opinion with how quick Hopel and offense is run. So yes, a lot of production coming back. We are going to miss a few guys uh, in particular hooker. Uh, we, we, we love the story of Milton. It, it's been fun. You know, we, I, I we're going to see all kinds of, Cool highlight reels and oranges being thrown against the wall, but you know it, it's it's we're gonna have to have some production on that side of the ball if we're gonna continue to grow the way Hopple wants to. So um, I'm excited, brother, because when when the offense is running, especially in Tennessee, there was a lot of young players coming in. Stepping, I look at Squirrel White, I, I look at guys like that that just came in a little later in the season were were huge factors in that offense. So it's their time to shine, man. Yeah. Number eight on this list, Shane, Kentucky. Now I should mention, though, this does not count transfers. And they added arguably the best quarterback out of the portal, Devin Leary, mm-hmm. who also a guy that we probably consider the best running back out of the portal, Ray Davis from Vanderbilt. But 
not including them, again, 63% of their total production returning, 71% on offense, 55% on defense, and they've also Mm -hmm. got 14 returning starters. So Kentucky is a little bit further down. They're in the back half, number eight in the list. But, again, two of your most critical offseason additions may offset that. Uh, I love the fact that Kentucky – surrounding those transfers is very experienced mm-hmm. and, and again, set up potentially for a really nice bounce back season. Yeah. And you may want to close your ears, Kentucky fans, but there's some of those starters that aren't coming back that you're kind of happy for. You know what I'm saying? There's I, I sometimes that back to that production thing is it's who you're bringing back. They've got some good players, especially, uh, I'm looking at the defense. Uh, you know, you, you got six guys coming back, and speaking of six, JJ Weaver leading that crew. I, I think, I think that's huge for Kentucky. And then what you got on offense is that transfer class, man. You kind of hit on it. I'm, 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 if you got bad production, Mike, you don't want it back. I think what they did is they went out there, they went shopping, and they found a few pieces to make Kentucky relevant again. And they are definitely going to make some noise in the East this year, Mike. I, I'm telling you, the hot, the hot train will be pumping by the time we have kickoff in late August. Yep, no doubt. Now, number nine in the SEC, Georgia, which – yeah, it's all right. I mean, back-to-back national champions sent them all to the NFL. They did it two years, uh, you know, a year ago, and <laughs> no drop-off. So I ain't feeling too bad. So much elite talent because I got so much elite talent backing right. those guys up, ready to play. But Georgia, sixty-one percent their total production returning, fifty-two percent on offense, which is one hundred nine in the country. So we got some making up to do on the offensive side of the ball. But how about this, Shane? 70% of the defense, they already were already elite. <laughs> that ranks number four in the SEC returning. De- so they'll probably not give up a damn touchdown all season. 13 returning starters back for the defending national champions. So, again, number nine in the SEC. But uh, teams like Georgia, and we'll, we'll get to one more here in a minute. These these returning production is, is not really indicative of what the team is just because they're so absolutely loaded. You know what? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Mike. Georgia Bulldogs, they're, they're, they're a machine right now. When you're pumping out number one, number two recruiting classes every single year, you know, you could look at a stat like this and say, hey, well, we're only bringing back 61% of re- returning production. Well, you know, a lot of those guys that are going to be starters now played last year. You know, they, they maybe didn't play the entire game. Maybe they played just a quarter. But they were that that depth, that competitive depth that Georgia has and flexes on everybody. There's no drop-off in Athens. And, and we're not going to see it this year. This, this is probably the most – when you're looking at a preview for the Georgia Bulldogs, you could probably throw returning production right out – returning starters outside – you could throw some of that out. They're bringing some key players, Brock Bowers, uh, Starks, Bullard. You know, there's there's a ton of talent that's coming back, but there's a lot of guys that have been waiting in the quarter, and they're ready to get their shot down there, and that's that's what Kirby and company will do. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be another electric year for the Georgia Bulldogs for sure. And, and to go back to your point, Shane, I mean, it seems like just because you're – you know, whether you're designated a starter or not, 
who really cares? But it's clear yeah. Georgia under Kirby Smart plays better at the tail end of the season than they do at the beginning. Remember the first year they won the title? Yeah. I mean, that was an ugly-ass game against Clemson. Could have went either way. And then by the end of it, they're stomping Alabama to win a national championship. <laughs> Last year, or fairly early, uh, you know, Missouri could have beat them. And then they just dog-whipped Tennessee. Uh, the SEC championship was was one of the worst games I've ever seen, and not because it was two bad teams. It was because it was one of the best teams of all time versus a, right. you know, a, a decent team. And then, of course, the national championship. Anybody that watched that into the third quarter that wasn't a Georgia fan – um, I, I guess their TV was broken because I mean that was, I mean they could have won that game by eighty points. You know what? Uh, I know. I was talking to somebody the other day. It was a TCU alum, and they went to that national championship. <laughs> and, and I said, I'm sorry about that. You know, you you'd think you'd say, well, congratulations on making it to a national championship, but then you just kind of want to say, man, I hate that you wasted all that money. You could have left. You could have watched that at the bar, man. So, but. Anyway, uh, yeah, Georgia, they'll be geared up and ready to go. I'm interested, you know, since it's going to be on ESPN, I might as well flip over and check out this G-Day. I'm kind of curious about some of these names that we've not really heard of uh, and see who's the next great bulldog to step up. Yeah, and, and of course, they hit the transfer portal pretty hard, too, for a a couple key pieces. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not – shedding any tears over their roster (laughs) number 10 in the sec shane mississippi state it was surprised me that they were this low i thought they were bringing back a little bit more production than this 57 percent of their total production 71 percent on offense 43 percent on defense and they return 13 no 11 excuse me 11 starters total seven on offense four on defense but again, you got the quarterback back. You got some key pieces on defense. Some of the best linebackers in the entire SEC. So I'm not. It's not doom and gloom over here. Uh, right. I, I liked the really like the additions they made on their coaching staff. Zach Arnett, of course, we know what a great defensive coordinator he is. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out this year how good of a head coach he is. But a uh, little little surprising to see Mississippi State this far down the list. I I think they were number one last year, so it's only logical that they they took a step back in in returning production. Do Do you think does that worry you at all? For, I mean, you know, first year Zach Arnett. Yeah. Obviously, the the lack of defense coming back is is a little alarming. But the fact you got Zach there, you you think that there shouldn't be much drop off on that side of the ball. Uh, Will Rogers lean the helm again? Are, are you are you worried that there's not more production coming back with Mississippi State? I mean, a little bit, to be honest with you, Shane. But, uh, you know, if mm-hmm. you, you look up the schedule, I mean, they've got a number of home games right out the gate and some – I think they open against Southeast Louisiana and, and I think Akron is in there. So it's like they're going to yeah. get up to speed, I, I would think, relatively quickly. But uh, I wonder – Whenever you have a, a coaching change like this, I know it's not a complete coaching change because Zach Arnett was already there. He kind of can see, you know, the flaws in the roster and the program and, and shore them up. So maybe it's it's not fair to say this, but you know, sometimes when you have a new team, maybe you don't want a lot of those guys back. But again, right, Mississippi State finished pretty damn strong last year. Uh, so yeah, it, it wasn't like it, it wasn't. I mean, you know, we're 
Mike Leach didn't get fired. You know, it, right. it wasn't. This isn't a. Uh, this is an unusual situation. You know, I, obviously we did lose some players during that that transition, but you know, it wasn't like the the locker room was divided coming in. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know if that's going to be the case, but. I'm just kind of interested to see how that plays out, and, and I'm wondering if the lack of experience coming back is, is going to be a, a a bad thing for 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 them, or do they need a clean break? Do they need a reset because they're going to change the the their complete you know style moving forward? You know where it would really concern me, Shane, is if they didn't have Will Rogers, who yeah, he's been so experienced, so productive, such a good player. You know, if you were having to insert a new quarterback, I I would really be concerned. But having him back, it kind of negates some of that concern yeah, for me. That's a good point. All right, number eleven. This this also surprised me. I thought they were a little bit more experienced than this. South Carolina, eleventh overall in the SEC, fifty five percent total production, sixty three percent total offensive production, and forty eight percent of their total defensive production, and South Carolina has 10 starters back. But, of course, Spencer Rattler's back. Again, that's that's huge. Right. Uh, Juice Wells, arguably the best receiver returning in the SEC. They've got some really nice pieces. They also added a lot via the transfer portal. Just signed a five-star tight end who's six foot nine and runs like a 10-400. So, I mean, they've got some nice pieces. New offensive coordinator, obviously, but uh, again, a little surprised that they were this far down the list, and uh, that's that's got me pumping the brakes just a little bit. Not a lot. I don't want to lose all our Gamecock yeah. fans here, but just pumping the well, brakes a little bit. We ain't gonna pander either, you know. I, I I'm with you, Mike. I I keep I the way they closed out the season last year. I, I'm I was buying all the stock in South Carolina. And the fact that, yeah, they don't have as much talent returning, but what they do have is one of the best quarterbacks. I, I say what you want. I know there's a lot of people that are that are hit or miss when you mention Spitzer Rattler, but South Carolina fans love him for a reason because he was able to win those two games. Say what you want, Mike. Uh, two two impressive wins there at the tail end of the season. Can he return that with Juice Wells and company? Yeah, I think I think the the opportunity is there. You know, I hate that he's, that he's lost a few pieces around him. Uh, but I think I, I, I don't, I'm not, maybe not pumping the brakes like you, but I am a little bit more leery, you know, coming into the season that I'm just going to say, Hey, South Carolina is going to run the board here and be maybe the second best team in the East. I'm not, I'm not willing to say that right now. And, and a lot of that has to do with some of the production, not returning. Yeah. Well, same. A lot of that same thing can be said about next on the list, Shane, number twelve in the SEC, Arkansas. Fifty-four percent of their total production is back. Fifty-eight percent of the offensive production, and just fifty-one percent of the defensive production. With eight mm-hmm. starters back, but again, KJ, I think he's the best quarterback in the SEC. Rocket Sanders, at worst, number two running back in the SEC, yeah. if not. Number one, so there's a lot of pieces to like, but both offensive and, and defensive coordinators are new this year. So, uh, how's that going to shake out? But uh, this this has got me mildly concerned. But again, the defense yeah. was at times brutal. So, 
So losing the, some of those guys may not hurt you. And, and they had a ton of guys exit via the transfer portal. I think that's why this number is so low. And a lot of those guys, Shane, I think they were kind of hurting the program, being in there. So yeah. maybe you lose some of those guys. You get more people on the same page. It's going to be good for your football program. But I'm still I can't I can't sit here and say you got the twelfth most returning production and I'm excited about it if I'm Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't like we were singing their praises last year and in, in the depth that they had up there in Arkansas. So right. I, I think that's part of the reason that I'm a little bit more worried than than most on this. Uh, obviously KJ Jefferson, Rocket Sanders, those guys would be starters on just about any team in the country. So obviously that is, is something to celebrate and be excited about. But around you, what does it look like? We're fourth season in here with Sam Pittman, and and I'm not convinced that the production that is coming back, or or I guess the new starters there in Arkansas, that they're going to make monumental steps forward. It it's it kind of surprises me that we don't have more depth, but. You know, it's, it's it's early, and and like you said, they got rid of a few bad apples down there. I, I like a few of the transfers that they had come in, um, so so maybe we see a, a different different Razorback this season. But I am a I'm a little I'm a little hesitant. I'm trying to be optimistic, Mike, but uh, this one worries me probably more than most. Right, and, and it worries me too, Shane. Number thirteen, Florida, fifty four percent total production, fifty five percent. On offense, 53% on defense. Florida's got 10 starters returning. And, again, they sent nine players to the NFL Combine. They may have three first-round picks. New defensive yeah. coordinator who's not even 30 years old yet. And uh, there's just a lot of questions. And, hell, we, we just opened the show with it. They're open at Utah, which I think yeah. has won two or three Pac-12 titles in a row. Didn't help their ass last year, though, so we, we've got to remember that. But uh, there's there's some concern. But, again, a lot of the same issues I said with Arkansas. We A ton of guys hit the portal. I think a lot of those guys were asked to leave, so it's I'm not hitting the yeah. panic button there. But, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson, say what you want about him. I mean, he, he wasn't perfect last year, but he really put the team on his back, and, and he's gone, He and he may be – I think he will be a top 10 pick. I don't know where he'll go in that. But uh, it, it's very difficult to see them, you know, just being juggernauts right out the gate. And the standard is very, very, very high in Gainesville. It is. It is, Mike. And, and I will tell you, brother, I didn't feel like that Billy had a full reset last year. I, I think he has it this season. I think this is his program. I think this is this is what it's going to look like while he's down there. Um, it's going to be very run heavy with with Johnson and ETN, two of the best running backs in the game. So I do love the fact that those guys came back. Uh, we can build around that, but uh, yeah, the 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 production, yeah, you know, uh, I, that's going to be that asterisk beside this class. You know, th there's going to be people that follow the, these guys that go to the NFL and say, I cannot believe they were down in Gainesville. Well. You know, it doesn't matter if you're not playing great as a team. You know, there's a whole bunch – it felt like there was a lot of individuals on that program last year, and I, I think we're going to get a little bit more of a team effort moving forward with the Florida Gators. So, uh, maybe a hard reset's not a bad idea. Uh, it, it, so, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not as worried because, you know, what, what you had going, like you said, pushed in the portal, some of these guys. 
I, I think that's what they needed. So, yeah. yeah, I'm good with this. So the only team we haven't mentioned, Shane, and it seems like they're annually dead last on this list because they're sending so many guys to the NFL, and that's, of course, Alabama. Only 40% total production. That's 125th in the country. 43% yeah. of their offense, 38% of their defense, nine total starters back for the Crimson Tide. They also have two new coordinators. It's obviously a big storyline all offseason. But, again, similar to Georgia, I mean, I'm not too concerned about Alabama because they're so loaded, and it seems like they're here every year at the bottom of this list. It is slightly concerning that next, you know, Florida's – Florida's at 54%. Alabama's all the way down here at 40%. Yeah. But, but again, I'm not too concerned. I, I don't think we should read too much into this for Alabama. What's your thoughts? Not not too concerned, but little concerned, if if you will, because mainly this is the first time in a long time we, we don't have the quarterback situation kind of ironed out. You're not uh, superstitious, you know, but you're a little stitious. A little stitious. A little stitious <laughs> on this one, Mike. And, and I don't know. It, it, it felt that it felt like Alabama is one bad recruiting class away from from really losing the reins a little bit, you know. And, and mm-hmm. I know they just had the number one class, but it's sometimes that doesn't matter, Mike. If it doesn't pan out, let me look at Texas A and M. How many of those guys hit the portal? So, mm-hmm. I, I I think Alabama is going to rely on a lot of youth down there. And I have full I have full respect for Nick Saban and his staff and everybody he brings in there. So I, I guarantee he's going to get the most out of these guys. But uh but they're going to have to they're going to have to pick it up quick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you drop a loss early in this season. I'm not saying there's a hot seat down there, but there's going to be a lot of leery fans looking around saying, "Well, what does the future for Alabama look?" look like you know yeah well well i just thought this would be a you know a nice little off-season topic something for everybody to can think about here as we you know we're in spring football need some content during the off-season but this this is not the complete picture but it is a piece mm-hmm. of the puzzle if you're at the top of this list i'd be pretty happy if i'm at the bottom <laughs> i don't know if scared is the right word but I'd, I'd just be hesitant so but hell you'll probably have a ton of Transfers and freshmen <laughs> ready to dominate, set up to be the next guys we're talking about on this show. But, uh, hey, brother, you got anything else before we hop off the line? Well, one thing I would be concerned, or not concerned, just curious about, you know, maybe on our next show, you can bring up the year prior. Like, coming into to 22, what, what, what did it look like that way? And, you know, not that saying that there's some mathematical formula to figure out if your team's going to be good or not, but I'm just wondering how skewed it would be. So, uh, you know, you look at Alabama at, at, at the very bottom of the SEC. I wonder if they were there last year. I wonder if Georgia was there last year, you know, because they lost a lot to the NFL. Right. And then they bounced back and become national champs again. So, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I've got, man. I appreciate it. A little more work for you, you know, as I I sit here and I drink my cold beer. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like you're going to bed at 2 o'clock tonight, Mike. (laughs) Always appreciate the extra homework assignment from Cousin Shea. But, hey, that's all I got on this one. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. I appreciate you, Shane, for showing up. We'll catch you on the next one. 
<laughs> All right, see you guys. Go balls. Yeah, I usually go to bed at 10, and I'm up at 6. That's, that's my schedule. <laughs> now, sometimes I'll stay up a little later, and I should, but I'm always up at 6 because I'm an old man now. <laughs> Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.